stand upon the solid rock, Christ Jesus. Amen? And even if in your life you find that circumstances cause a little bit of a slippy slope, or the slippy slope of the snow that's out there. We're on our way this morning. We were traveling here. We left a little early because of the snowy conditions. Good job we did as we were arriving off of one of the uh, streets there. Just coming into Edmonton, a car was approaching us, and we noticed it kind of started to slip on the road and come veering into our lane, and we kind of, I kind of, I was driving, so I kind of backed off a little bit, and she kind of got her you know, bearings and continued on. And as she drove by me, I looked and she had this big grin on her face. <laughs> I thought, good for you. You got control of the car and, and made it along. So that's great. So it is good to be back, Cindy and I, with you again today. Glad to hear that you had a wonderful uh, Resurrection Sunday. I always call it Resurrection Sunday, not so much Easter Sunday, but Resurrection Sunday last Sunday. And that's great. Trust that your Good Friday service was memorable and thoughtful. It should always be that which causes us to really contemplate what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. In my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his... Hallelujah, what a Savior. But he didn't remain in the grave. We serve a risen Savior today. And to uh, rejoice last Sunday... And the fact that up from the grave he arose, and as we just sang that song a couple of them ago, just the fact that he, now he stands, what, in victory. Sin doesn't have its same uh, hold on us as it once did. So I'm glad to hear, as we did, you had a wonderful Resurrection Sunday. Well, it's good to be back with you. It is April the 23rd, by the way. Uh, it's not January or February, although we would think that out there. What's been hard is, I was talking to somebody before the service began, I said, what's been hard is that, about, if you remember, back about two or three weeks ago, we went through that time of nice warm weather, and the, you know, the flowers were starting to come up and that, and we thought, oh good, spring has finally sprung. Not. <laughs> All right. Remember, we are hardy Albertans. All right. It can still snow in June. So hopefully this is the last dumping. Usually Calgary gets the dumping, right? So I don't know why Edmund got the dumping, but we certainly didn't get dumped last night and we beat those sharks, which is really good news too. So anyway. Well, these Sunday mornings together, we are studying the prayers of the Apostle Paul in a series that Pastor Roger let me know is called Praying with Paul for Spiritual Renewal. All right, and I trust that over the last several weeks, various guest speakers that have come to Ambleside Baptist Church in Edmonton have taken a certain specific prayer found in Paul's letters in the New Testament in which he prayed for various different congregations of which many of them he founded and led many of the believers in that church to Christ. Well, this morning, the uh, prayer assignment that I've been given is found in Colossians. So if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to look at this prayer in verses 9 to 14. But before we do, I think as Christians, we need to be reminded, do we not, that we all desperately need to be renewed spiritually from time to time. I don't know about you, but I know I do. I can get down, I can get discouraged, my batteries can, can kind of drain like that little beeping sound. I don't know if you noticed that earlier in the service, 
but that was a smoke detector right here on the wall. And I thought to myself, that battery is gone. And that battery is telling me that it needs to be replaced and recharged. So I turned to Alfred and said, Alfred, can we, can we do something about that? And bless his heart, he went and removed it. So that's why we don't have the annoying beeping sound. But like that battery in that smoke detector, our batteries can get down and drained and discouraged and we need to be recharged from time to time, right? And spiritual renewal, folks, begins, listen to me, it begins as each of us pray for it and recognize the need of it in our own walk with Christ. Well, in keeping with that prayer theme this morning, praying with Paul for spiritual renewal, we look this morning in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14, at a powerful, powerful prayer. As I read this and studied it over the last several weeks, I got to the end of it, reading it over and over again, and said to myself, that is one powerful prayer. And so that's why I've titled the sermon this morning, A Powerful Prayer. Would you stand and follow along as I read Paul's prayer to the believers in the church in Colossae? Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. Paul writes, And so, from the day we heard... We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's quite a prayer, amen? Wow doesn't stop there. Verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, many times in my Christian life, I have had the great encouragement, as I'm sure many of you have had, of somebody coming up to you, usually before a service or after a service, or as we're going to have some wonderful low-calorie baked goods, in fellowship after the service. I noticed that they're there. I probably noticed them before you did. And I was watching as they were taking those baked goods out of the box and I wondered to myself, are we going to enjoy them before the service begins or afterward? And then she put those napkins over it and that told me, don't even dare think of coming over here and munching on one of those till after. So I recognize that they're there. Or maybe during the fellowship time, as you're munching on a low-calorie cinnamon roll or bun, you'll have, as I have had throughout these years in pastoral ministry, someone come up to you and say this. Have you had somebody come up to you and say this? Just want you to know. Just want you to know that I'm praying for you. 
Now that's a great encouragement. I'm touched that another would think of me and care enough to take the time and make the effort to pray to God on my behalf. I'm really touched by that. I don't take that statement that they say for granted. I'm always appreciative. And the Lord knows how much I need prayer to say, I want to let you know, I'm thinking of you and I'm praying for you. Because James said in James chapter 5 and verse 16, what? The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. But it's better still. It's better still than someone coming up to you saying, I want to let you know I'm praying for you. It's better still when that person comes up and says this, how can I pray for you? Because if they say to you, I just want to let you know I'm praying for you, I, I, I thank them, and I mean that sincerely with their you know, sincerity, but I always wonder, what are, you, what are you praying for? Like I'm left in the dark, right? But if someone comes up to me and says, I just want to ask you, I, I'm, I'm praying for you, how can I pray for you more effectively? Then I'm able to share with them, right, some specific requests, some certain prayer requests. Sometimes we want to pray for another person, but we're not sure what to say. And if you've ever been confused about how to intercede for someone, Paul's prayer here in Colossians is so appropriate for every person and every situation. Why? Because it aligns perfectly with God's will. You can ask these requests in Colossians 1, 9-14, with confidence, both for yourself and for others. You see, too often our prayer requests focus on temporal needs, and they miss the deeper spiritual work that God wants to do in and through our lives. So imagine how effective your prayers, my prayers would be, if you and I would shift the emphasis of our petitions to the Lord's desires. He would transform you. He would transform the people that you, in whom you intercede. So it leads us to the question then to ask the Apostle Paul this morning, Paul, for what specific prayer requests did you pray for the believers there in the church in Colossae? And Paul would say, first off, I did not pray some generic or some general prayer for them. As we will study it in the next few moments, Paul's prayer for them, I kind of described it as being laser point specific. It's not a shotgun blast of a prayer request. Oh Lord, may you somehow hear this prayer and answer it in some form of some way. No. His prayer for them is like a laser very specific, very pointed, very direct in his request before God the Father on their behalf. And so as we study his prayers for them, we ask God for the same for us here this morning. And following the sermon, we will stand together, and I believe it's actually, thank you, Leah, she's uh, put it on the overhead, the screen, it's also in your um, 
uh, worship folder this morning, and we will stand and we will personalize this text that we have studied this morning as a prayer for us, praying this prayer for ourselves this morning as well. Beloved, listen, this is one of the most powerful prayers that the Apostle Paul ever prayed. And what these believers need in their lives for spiritual renewal, we also need in our own lives this morning. But let's pray before we study this prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your Son taught us how to pray. And we recall throughout the Gospels the numerous occasions in which his disciples came to him with that question, Oh Lord, would you teach us to pray? And we need spiritual renewal. We need to be renewed in our spirit day by day. And so, Father, we pray for this prayer that Paul prayed for the Colossians be our prayer. We need this prayer in our lives today. And would you help us to take this prayer and pray it on behalf of one another, for ourselves, our families, for this church, that we may be effective prayer warriors. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you notice the context of, first, of Colossians chapter 1 leading into verse 9 is that Paul in verses, 1, in verses 3 through 8 has just completed his thanksgiving because Paul had so much to give thanks for. He now turns from thanksgiving to prayer repeating what he has already said, notice if you look up in verse 3, where he says what? We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we do what? When we, yeah, when we pray for you. When we pray for you. So would you notice with me, first of all, the intensity of Paul's prayer? Or the intensity of how we ought to be praying? Intense. Intense. Paul and Timothy have been praying and prayerful from the very day they heard of their Colossians' response to the gospel, notice, verses 5 and 6. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you, notice, since the day you heard it and understood what? The grace of God in truth. So since they have heard the gospel, and since the day they responded to the gospel, they began to pray for them. And so just how intense and how consistent are my prayers for other. So in verse 9, the first phrase, and so from the day we heard, Paul and Timothy, my companion in ministry, we want to let you know, Colossian believers, that we have not ceased to pray for you. That's great encouragement. But what have you prayed for us? Well, first of all, He's going to share with us now, I've prayed three specific requests for your spiritual renewal. In this prayer are three specific requests 
for their spiritual renewal. Prayer request number one in verses 9 and 10. And that first prayer request is that you may know something. And what is it? That you may know God's will. Notice how it begins in verse 9. He says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be noticed filled or controlled by the knowledge of God's will. Very interesting, specific prayer request. And Paul uses in verse 9 two key words, fill and knowledge. The first, fill, suggests a filling out to completeness. And knowledge, the latter suggests a full deep understanding. Really what he's saying in verse 9 when he says, may you be filled or controlled with the knowledge of his will, he's saying that you might be filled full, and it carries the idea of being fully equipped. It, it was interesting how it was used, <clears throat> excuse me, in Paul's day, it was used, these Greek terms, to describe a cargo ship that was getting ready for a long voyage. And you know how they would take the, um, the supplies, the barrels and the bags and, the, and all of the food and the cartons, and they would just take that and put it in the lower part of the cargo ship and load it down. Cindy and I have been on numerous cruises and what's very interesting is when you get on the board the cruise, if you quickly, instead of going to your room, your cabin, go off to the side and look down uh, and you'll notice a beehive of activity like little ants and they're all got their uh, forklifts and they're all got their cargo holes and lifts and they're just packing the bottom part of that ship with food, and supplies, it really loads it down for the voyage that's coming. And so that's the idea here. It was used to help us understand as believers what? That in Christ we have all that we need for the voyage of life. And it's a prayer for spiritual intelligence. There's always more to learn. Have you not found that? In your Christian life as a disciple of Christ, there's always more to learn about God and His will for our lives. And it gives us reassurance regarding those often unexpected occurrences in life that come to us and that, that help direct our conduct in order with, with God's will. Since we met with you last, we had a, a situation in, with the health of my wife, and I'm sure she doesn't mind me mentioning it, but she, she discovered since the end of January just a little bit of a... a, little bit of a, a a little growth, maybe, a, maybe the size of the end of your baby finger, just right here under the collarbone, not on the breast, but just under the collarbone, just under the skin. And she went to the doctor, and the doctor felt it, and I said, well, it's kind of near the surface. It's kind of odd in particular, but anyway, um, I think we'll... So she came into Edmonton here to the Metal Ark, and, and they took some pictures of it, and, and, uh, and they said, well, I think what we're going to do is take a little bit of a biopsy. And so they went in there and shot these three little, she said, kind of like staples, and took three samples, and then, then you have to wait for, for seven to ten days. And you're wondering, and you're praying, and you're saying, Lord, you know, what? this may not be. And so we're just praying and that. So a couple of weeks ago, 
was the doctor's appointment in which she was to have the results back. So we've been praying for that. And so we sat down in her physician's doctor's office and sat there and, and she uh, went on the computer and we're sitting there watching and, and she said, oh, yeah, well, oh the, the results aren't back yet. And we thought, well, we, we were given seven to ten days and it's now been almost two weeks and they're not back. She said, I'll call them. So she calls the pathologist while we're sitting there in the office, right? And we're listening intently <laughs> to what she's saying on the phone. And she's saying things like, uh-huh, okay, yeah, it is irregular, uh-huh, yeah, um, okay. And, and, another, and another test you're doing? And, when, and we heard that. Our stomachs just dropped. And so she humped the phone and said, the results aren't in because they felt, the pathologist felt that they needed to do another test on another little one that's beside it. And we got, now there's, there's more than, there's another one? And so she said, we'll get back to you. I'll tell you. We left that office just saying, Lord, what's your will in this? What, what are you doing in our lives right now? What are you doing in my wife's life? And your mind races and you're wondering. And so she said, well, we'll, we'll probably know more in, in 40, 24 to 48 hours. And so we're praying and wondering. Well, I got that call from my wife. It's one of those when your phone lights up, you say, what she heard what she heard from the, her doctor. And when you're a husband of a wife waiting for that news, ladies, make sure you just say it quick. All right? <laughs> Don't say, good morning, dear, just calling from work, wanting to know, what was the results? <laughs> Don't do that to me. I'm dying. <laughs> so she's good that way. She said, honey, We've got good news. All I heard was good news, and I burst into tears. I just burst into tears. She says, it's, it's just, a, it's just a, a, a cyst. That's all it is. There's absolutely no signs of cancer whatsoever. And we just wept together. And she said, I hoped you'd have that reaction. <laughs> And I was just a puddle on the floor and just so thankful. But during that time, it's what? It's trying to discern what? The will of God in this. The will of God. Trying to learn more about God and His will for our lives. And so it gives us reassurance regarding those often unexpected occurrences that happen in life. And it's directing our conduct, folks, to what? Accordance with God's will. We had, we had given it over the whole situation. Lord, whatever your will is here. But we're praying also that perhaps it wouldn't be. God wants you to know his will. Do you believe that? He wants you to know his will for your life and understand it. And it should be your desire and mine to know and do God's will for your life. That was David's desire and prayer in Psalm 40 in verse 8. I delight to do your will, O my God. Can believers grow in the full knowledge of God's will? Yes. And we know what God's will is as we are instructed from and obedient to God's word. Romans chapter 2 and verse 18 says, And know his will... And approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law. You cannot know the will of God apart from the word of God. 
And so Paul mentions the knowledge of God's will. The key is you have to ask Him, as we did during those last two or three weeks, Lord, give us wisdom. Give us insight so we will know what your meaning and purpose is according to what you're doing in our lives. We can't see clearly. We can't discern. So do you feel any responsibility to know God's will and do it? I trust you do. How can you find out what God's will is for you? Well, he goes on, notice, in verse 9, to say what? To know God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, or with the wis- all the wisdom and understanding that His Spirit gives. If you turn to the next chapter, in Colossians chapter 2, notice what he says, continuing in verses 2 and 3. Colossians chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. That your hearts may be encouraged, notice being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of what? Understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and of knowledge. Knowledge of God's will comes from God in His Spirit and is beyond oneself. Why do I need to know God's will? We need such wisdom for direction and appropriate conduct. Because you look back in Colossians chapter 1, verse now 10, that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that or so as to what? To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. I need to know, Father, Your will in this matter and in my life in order that I may walk as a daily conduct of my life in a manner worthy of you fully pleasing to you. This is practical obedience, folks. Worthy means behaving as the one you represent. Do you call yourself a Christian? Yes. Do you know what that term means? What do you mean? Well, the name Christian means to be like Christ in His character. It refers to being an appropriate or acceptable offering. That's why God goes on to say what? Fully pleasing. Meaning what? To be a friend of God with gratitude, seeking Him first to glorify Him. This means as as a Christian, you desire to live in the manner of what you know and believe and do it consistently. And you and I strive to do this when we are pursuing God and His righteousness and believing His precepts. So He is more and you are less in your will. This is what it means to what? To walk with God. It means living out the daily Christian life thinking as He is called, behaving as you believe, and doing in response to His work in and for you. And we're being empowered by the Holy Spirit. It is never a walk in your own strength or your own will. So this is is the relating of scriptural knowledge to daily conduct in right decisions. And so the aim, always, the aim of our conduct as Christians 
do I need to remind you of this? Is that what? Our conduct should always be pleasing to the Lord in every way and to appropriate, anticipate to do His wishes in every aspect of our lives. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 10. And of course, the test of this conduct, as it is with all conduct, will be in what it produces. He says, notice here, that you might be fully pleasing to Him, and if you are, and you strive each day, notice the end of verse 10, you will bear fruit in every good work. It's a reference to moral maturity. Chapter 1 and verse 6 there likely refers to the good works of hospitality and the giving of alms to the poor in Paul's day. And, before we get to verse 10, it goes on to say what? And increasing in the knowledge of God. Meaning experiencing God's dealing and, and acknowledging God in appropriate actions. And so, let's recap quickly. Paul's, Paul's, Paul's first prayer request for them in spiritual renewal is what? I'm praying that you might know God's will. That is a great prayer to pray for somebody. So to come up to somebody and say, not just want to let you know I'm praying for you, but I want to let you know that, that as I heard on Sunday regarding some very difficult situations with murder and death and exams coming up and health issues, as I related an example this morning. just want to let you know I'm praying for you that through this you'll understand God's will in your life. Be able to discern that. That's what I need to hear. All right? Prayer request number two. That as I'm going through that time of discerning the will of God, I need to be what? Strengthened. That's what he says. That you may be strengthened. Notice verse 11. That you may be strengthened with all power. Oh, I need that. Such fruitful daily living as a Christian is utterly and completely dependent upon God's enablement. Lord, during those seven to ten days when we're waiting to hear the results from a pathologist in Edmonton, give us strength. It's the first thing on our minds in the morning, the last thing on our minds at night. Oh, Lord, I know you're testing our faith and trust in you. Would you give us strength? According, notice, to His glorious might. The might of His glory. The awesome radiance of His deity. It is like the radiant energy of the sun. It is this experience of sustaining, empowering grace. Lord, sustain us during this time, this trial, this adversity in our lives. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 1 and, and verse 19, there Paul somewhat prayed for the same strength. Ephesians chapter 1 and, and verse 19, where he says what there? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ? Colossians chapter 1, verse 29. 
For this I toil, the end of the, ver- of the, end of the chapter, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works, what? Within me. The grace of, of our Christian lives is but a result of God's power at work in our lives. Spiritual growth and maturity can only come as what? We yield to God's power and permit Him to work in us. That's why he goes on to say in verse 11 that you may be strengthened with all power according to His, not your, glorious might for what? Purpose. For endurance. <laughs> and patience with joy. When we're going through those seven to ten days waiting on the results, we need to be able to endure, continue going on, keeping going. Patience, keeping that joy. The word patience means endurance when circumstances are difficult, not when they're easy. God's strength is best experienced in our lives in the day-to-day circumstances of life. And sometimes those circumstances are not good. They're trying. They're difficult. But it's often revealed in ample strength. In what? In order to meet with fortitude and patience whatever comes. That's tough. This is where where the rubber meets. This is the hard part. Okay? That as Christians... This is what sets us apart. When you're in the hospital bed, when you're at the funeral chapel, when you're going through difficulty with spouses or with children or or with jobs or finances or health, we as Christians are still able to rejoice even in the midst of of going through that tribulation. Why? Because we know that tribulation brings about perseverance. So you don't quit. You keep going on. Perseverance, proven character, and character, proven hope. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Patience is that quality that we as Christians must display. Now the reason I start laughing is I just had a flashback in memory of, of my older brother. When I was younger, my, and I live with my older two brothers, my older brother is about uh, six years older than me, and then my oldest brother, half-brother, is eight. So there's 14 years different. Well, I want to, like, think about it. So when, I was, so when I was six, my brother was just a teenager, and I remember some, in, in, in our living room, we had a brown couch that had a kind of a curved back against the wall. Well, when you put a curved couch against a corner, that leaves a nice little triangle behind the couch. And he would, for some strange reason, would love to take me and put me behind the couch in the corner. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, he'd then take the cushions, true story, take the cushions off that couch put them on top of me, and then would sit on it. And I'm so kind of, I'm under the couch, looking under the legs and seeing the rest of the the, the rug and the rest of the room underneath the couch, and I'm squirming, and he would say this to me. No, this is is the truth. He would say, Lauren, be patient. I would go, be patient, get me out of here. You learn to be patient under there, you know. And so, 
he'd even often would tell young people that when he was a youth pastor, telling me, telling what he used to do, how he used to terribly abuse his brother. Right? <laughs> to this day, I'm scared to death being behind couches. All right. But be patient. Learn patience. Have you found God's strength helping you to be more patient in the midst of difficulties and trials? It is tough to be patient, to wait. Because my natural human tendency is to say, okay, Lord, I know as a Christian you're testing me, you're developing your image in my life, but hurry up. Like, it's been now, do you realize, a week? Or now it's been a month? How long is this going to be? And there have been some times that I've embraced my wife within the last couple of months, to be honest with you, and say, I can't do this anymore. How long is it going to be? I don't know. But I do know this. Let God continue to put his hands around you and to be molding you. He is in charge. Everything is happening in your life for a purpose and reason. All the wheels of the circumstance of your life. I've got to trust him to know that with every day, his purpose is being fulfilled. Your job and mine is to remain patient. Allow him to work in your life. But it's tough. It's tough. It's tough to be patient. It's tough to keep going on, keep enduring. So in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14, Paul makes three specific requests in his prayer for their spiritual renewal. Prayer number one, request that you may know God's will. Second, that you may be strengthened. But there's a third request that completes these first two, and without it, the Christian life could not be mature. And that's verse 12, that you may be joyful and thankful. Notice that, verse 12? Look with it with me. Giving thanks to the Father. So this prayer is not only for knowledge and wisdom, for conduct fruitful in good works, for patient fortitude in the trying and testing circumstances of life, but this may all be suffused by the experience of joy in thankfulness to the Father. Verse 17. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 17. What's he say? And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving what? Thanks to God the Father through him. The question that immediately came to my mind after she had called me at home to say, i got great news for you. It's benign. It's just a cyst. It's, it'll, it's, there's no trace of cancer whatsoever. The immediate next thought that came to my mind was, what happens if she had not said that? What happens if she had said, honey, I don't have good news. It's bad news. 
its cancer. Would I have still been thankful? Would I have still rejoiced in God's purpose in the life of my wife and our lives as a couple? Got me thinking. See, this is not happiness, folks. This is but joy. It's that internal abiding joy despite the hardships and the suffering. And obviously Paul did not think of Christian discipleship as a matter of grim existence or some grim endurance. Kind of clench my teeth and kind of get through this Christian life. I'm happy, I'm rejoicing in Jesus. <sighs> Bring it on. Another day to rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. No. It's inner joy resulting in thanksgiving. So he outlines the special cause for Christian thanksgiving in the midst of your tribulation and difficulty in adversity. And we'll close with these three great reasons. He gives that she causes to be thankful to God and rejoice in the midst of adversity and trial. And each of them has striking features. You are thankful in trying times because first of all, you know, notice, God has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. He says, center your thanksgiving on the fact that God has qualified you, literally made you competent to share in the inheritance of the saints. And though as believers we are unfit in ourselves, God has fitted you. Your, your coming to faith in Christ was an act of God's grace whereby you are qualified or made fit to share in an inheritance that you were previously unqualified for and unfit for. What inheritance? It's the inheritance of one future day sharing in a life, beloved, beyond death in the eternal life of heaven. Such an incalculable privilege that God has qualified you. Never forget this. Even when the news is not good, when the news is cancer, or there's been a death in our family, or I'm facing final exams, remember this. God's qualified you to share one day in the inheritance of the saints of light. Get your eyes off of this temporal situation and keep it on the eternal that which is to come be thankful in trials knowing this number two verse 13 he has delivered you from the domain of darkness and transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved son amen wow lastly in whom you have redemption the forgiveness of sins It is in Christ alone we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin, and pardon for failure. The word redemption, release, freedom, denotes the ransom of a captive or prisoner of war from slavery. I don't know about you, but I find myself so 
focused on temporal circumstances that I forget that, Lauren, listen, even if that news was bad, and even if the Lord has only allowed you to have 39 years of marriage instead of 67, like our brother and his dear wife, by God's grace, wow. Keep in mind, it's only a matter of what? Next week I'll be 60. matter of less than probably 30 years that I'll be in eternity with him. You know, actually look back on our lives and it will matter nothing. We'll be with him. So as we review this powerful prayer, can you see how penetrating it is? We need spiritual intelligence if we are going to live a life pleasing to God. We also need practical obedience in our walk and work. But the result of all of this must be spiritual power in the inner man and woman, power that leads to joyful patience, long-suffering, with thanksgiving, even in adversity and trials. This is a prayer for spiritual renewal. Have you been praying this way lately? Have you been praying this way lately? I'm going to end the sermon this morning by each of us praying this prayer we have just studied. We're going to actually pray this text and pray this prayer. In a moment, I'm going to ask that you stand to your feet. You can do that right now. Can we have the prayer up on the screen? If it doesn't show there, it's in your worship folder this morning. It's entitled, My Prayer. There it is. Thank you, Leah, for doing that. So we are simply going to pray this prayer together. Simply repeat after me, praying out loud as I pray. You ready? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray. You would fill me with the knowledge of your will. I pray for increased spiritual wisdom and understanding. So that I may walk in a manner worthy of you. I pray I may live a life fully pleasing to you. That I may bear fruit in every good work. And that I may increase in my knowledge of you. Father, I pray you might strengthen me with your power. I need strength to endure and to be patient in my everyday trials and testings. I depend upon the joy I have in Christ. Christ. 
I pray for increased patience. Thank you for qualifying me to share in the future inheritance of the saints. Thank you for delivering me from the domain of darkness and transferring me to the kingdom of your beloved Son. And above all, I pray and praise you for the redemption I have in Christ and for the forgiveness of my sins. In this I am truly thankful and rejoice. I pray this powerful prayer of the Apostle Paul in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you.